for August 2nd, 2021. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 683. Are you more of a jungler or more of a cruiser? It's the Overthinking a Podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. You're the overthinkers. We're like your smart, funny friends from the internet, uh, but uh, everyone's busy, so only two friends like to hang out with you a lot, and that's me and Pete. <laughs> hey, Pete, how are you doing? I'm busy, too. I just love you guys. There's a real parasocial relationship happening here. I just hope everybody knows that. All our all our para para friends, our para pals on the yeah. on the para podcast. Exactly. Yeah, all you para souls out there. <laughs> That's yep, parasailing parasailing along. Yep. Um yep. never been parasailing. Pete, you ever been parasailing? God no. Oh no? I feel I've like that would be fun. Anything. I'd like to be uh I'd like to be no, Pete, you gotta feel the power of para. And that's uh you know I want I want to know I want to do that I want to go parasailing or or um hang gliding I would definitely get into that it, it doesn't I don't know if there's anyone please correct me if I'm wrong please contact me directly or comment on this podcast if you go hang gliding it seems like uh it's maybe not the most physically strenuous activity in the world because you're it's it's mostly controlled falling and it sounds uh it sounds like delightful. Uh, to me, but speaking of recreational activities, Pete, uh, how did your plans to see uh, to see uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt in Disney's Jungle Cruise fall apart this weekend? Oh, oh wow, yours too. They sure <laughs> yeah, did for me. They they, cer- they certainly did. So I want to pause it for you. As I've often said on the podcast, though it's been a little while, there is no, there's perhaps no better substitute for knowledge than classification. Uh-huh. So, so in lieu of actually understanding what happened, I want to posit a, a schema for you here, right? Okay. So usually when it comes to movies like Jungle Cruise, which I would suggest is, uh, it's a, it's a film that I was not. I was not particularly excited about seeing it, but if I happen to be seeing it, I would probably enjoy it. There's probably a jungle with a boat and the rock. It, it sounds like the kind of thing that I would like, right? Uh, I suppose, you know, moderately. I mean, what is the de- what is the like the DNA of Jungle Cruise that would just have to go into the movie? Like, there's a boat. The boat has a skipper. Maybe the skipper makes bad jokes, like bad puns or something like that. And there's just rampant racism all around <laughs> you. I remember the defining aspect of the Jungle Cruise as when the driver of the boat shoots a hippo with a cap gun. That's right. Right. That's like the big moment. Right? Yeah. That's that's, the, is that ever fun for a kid? Right. Like I, I've, yeah, I've, I thought it was exciting. Oh, I did don't know. you? I don't know. Like I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a weakling and maybe I come from along the line of weaklings because I, I was once talking to my dad about, he was talking about being a kid and going to like the ice capades, uh, mm. for, you know, to see the show. And like there was always like a cops and robbers thing and it always led up to this climactic moment where one of the cops would shoot a cap gun to like get one of the robbers i suppose to to kill one of the robbers in lieu of capturing the robber it was was a stun gun it was a gun set on stun so that they could put them in a hollow uh brig and transport them to the republic yes yeah exactly where they where they would where (laughs) they would be yes exactly they get a fair trial they get rehabilitation they'd be released from prison you know it's uh as long as the Jedi stay in control of everything, I think we'll all be fine. And they, yeah, exactly. So, so like, 
there, there's a point in this long sequence towards uh, remaking these robbers into productive members of society. There, there was a, a sequence where the, the police would, would shoot a gun. And like he described also like the whole thing was just he was just a little anxiety ball until they did this thing because it was going to be loud and like and and not fun. I you know, same, same reason I don't like movies with jump scares. Like it just doesn't I like uh, cortisol is not a cocktail I, I particularly want to and yet, and yet you want to hang glide and parasail and jump off of like so i go the other way in terms of loud As i, grooms, wrote, I own so i own several motorcycles yes exactly what are you even talking about man what yeah, but those aren't, those aren't like quick scares. Those aren't like, th- those are, those are mind focusing, right? Mm. Like it's the difference between fear and anxiety. Like fear is a specific thing and you better believe I'm, I'm at, as a person who has fallen down <laughs> off of a motorcycle. Like I am scared of falling down off of a motorcycle. It is a right. specific thing. Anxiety, you know, is the free floating idea that something might go wrong somewhere, but it's not, you know, uh, it's not enough to uh, it's it's not like specific enough to fear to form like a a concrete fear around it like the like the boat like upriver like the feeling you get watching Apocalypse Now and those 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 scenes where the boat is just like piloting up the river also into- known as Jungle Cruise the prequel right exa- exactly exactly <laughs> when when uh, yeah J- Jungle Cruise episode one uh, yeah. Apocalypse Now the, the horror the, the, the horror. ride is based off of Apocalypse Now <laughs> yeah. and the rocks movie is based off of the ride yes exactly um but i'm sorry pete i i went so you so you like but you you uh you like the unpleasant feeling of of uh someone firing a cap gun it's funny because if it comes to present terror versus anticipatory anxiety Uh for me even if the experience of hang gliding were to include a greater degree of present terror than anticipatory anxiety the interval of time between now and the next time i would go hang gliding would involve a fair amount of anticipatory anxiety about what could go wrong when I was hang gliding. I only, I, it's not that I particularly live with this sort of fear in my life as, as an expected thing. It reminds me of one of Blinky's birthday parties or birthdays where we were going to all go skydiving. Say, say no more. Say no more. Yeah, yeah, it just, exactly. it reminds me of one of Blinky's birthday parties is all you have to say. <laughs> We were all going to go skydiving. Is it the and then one it, I, I sprained in. my ankle on on paint sodden astroturf, uh, going paintballing <laughs> in Stamford, Connecticut? Was it that one? No, yeah, we were all yeah. going to go, and we were all going to go skydiving. And I was definitely like, I was uh, a little uh, scared about that. But then it rained on the day or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big story. I was so relieved. See, I was totally into the paintball and totally not into the skydiving. And it sounds like you totally were not into the paintball and much would rather would have jumped out of the plane. Oh, sure. I would have peed my yeah. pants like everyone else. But the, you know, right. but like, uh, yeah, absolutely. maybe this is the real problem with Jungle Cruise because it kind of relies on you being both and, and no human being is both. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, interesting. Are you, like, are you more are you... of a jungler or more of a cruiser? Right. <laughs> this is. I actually. I mean, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, speaking of typology being a, uh, the best substitute for actual knowledge. I mean, you know, br- breaking people up into junglers or cruisers, or breaking people up based on present terror versus uh, anticipatory anxiety. That's a good. There are two kinds of people in the world. Uh, mm. That's a good, you know, sort of heuristic, uh, heuristic that we can we can throw yeah. out there. But anyway, sorry, there you are, uh, person's firing the thing. You you're you're gonna go. You you're just hoping the rock fires a cap gun in this movie, but it all fell apart for some reason. 
Yes. So I would like to divide up the notion of uh, particularly the sort of cycles of, well, I use the word routine, right? I'll use the word routine, even though I don't think it fully applies to all these scenarios, right? And I think routine might be an interesting topic for us to talk more about in this podcast as it pertains to pop culture, as it pertains to our everyday lives. Uh, So I would suggest that uh, entertainment experiences happen in cycles in accordance with sorts of routines, right? And, And I would put three forward here. I'm leaving out, you know, you're locked in a room and have to watch it because nobody was going to be able to do that for Jungle Cruise because uh, I guess nobody's close enough to me to tie me down uh, at this point. You'd have to you'd have to travel a ways to uh, to to force me to do it. But um, this, there's a situation where there's something that you really want to watch. That's something yep. that the dark skinned natives do to an animatronic figure oh. in the actual <laughs> Jungle Cruise. Are you serious? Cruise. Yes. I, I, and I think maybe they boil him in a pot or something like oh, that. I'm sorry. Weird. I'll cut. I know it's re- a, a lot of it is regrettable and I'm sure it's been taken out because at least the last time I went to Disneyland uh, post reopening and it was uh, down for for renovation. Um, and I think the Nova, I think the newness of the renovation is uh, I think they're really uh, heating Ezra Pound's dictum. Make it new. That is not some of Ezra Pound's political dicta, which would yeah. make the situation, if anything, worse. I'm sorry, Pete, I keep interrupting you. I mean, I've really wanted to do there's been something about the contemporary cultural moment that's made me want to do an Ezra Pound cast with you, but I don't think the day today is the day where it happens. <laughs> but I feel like we've touched on it. We've like touched on it here or there. Uh, as a brief preview, I would suggest maybe this actually ties a little bit into what we were saying that uh, Ezra Pound's perception of the vortex, uh-huh. which I have found in my own personal history to be a pretty compelling artistic notion, is a characteristic of anxiety. Uh, right. That like that. That and again, that this would loop back to the anxiety of influence. Right. And and uh, various sorts of meta poetical and kind of uh, literary graphical work that sort of seeks to personify and express the life of literature uh, when it behaves like someone with a severe anxiety disorder. Then perhaps it might be because the person who wrote it has a severe anxiety disorder, uh, and, and or, or maybe not, right? Or or maybe there is a characteristic of it that is as such, right? This is for those that are unfamiliar. This is an idea that uh, I mean, how I would characterize it. And we get we don't have to do Poundcast 2021. We can save it for 2022, or we could go in some new directions if we want. Uh, which you're supposed to pronounce as new directions, which is a joke that I think Ezra Pound would have made if he were around. I think he did make uh, back in the Dizay. Um, and this is a this is a this is a poet, right? He's an American poet, a modern poet, very influential. He might be known most as the person who edited the Wasteland, who basically did a just like total red pen gutting of T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland and turned it from something that was pretty pedestrian and forgettable to the poem that everybody thinks ruined poetry. Um, and of course, has that sort of sparse power to it, uh, who, of course, had both. A, uh, a pretty pressing problem with mental illness that really got to him later in his life, and also a uh, fierce anti-Semitic streak that led him to Europe to back the fascists, right? And those two things, I think, for, at least for the people I've talked to who knew him, uh, were not disconnected from one another. 
in uh, and, and, and certain ways. But the notion, but he had this notion that sort of all of the different languages and literatures and sort of interreferences that were being made across languages and literatures all kind of circled a drain. Right. They, they are all kind of in a vortex together. And this is to be distinct from thinking of literature as made up of like oppositional dialectics. Right. We've talked about difference. But this idea that sort of everything can kind of reference everything else um, because it's all uh, it's all in a jumble. Right. And I, he wouldn't have said it in that in that whimsical way. And I didn't plan enough to say it. Um, but this idea that, you know, you can start talking about the I Ching and then all of a sudden you want to talk about the Fast and the Furious and then all of a sudden you want to start quoting a Horus or Catullus, right? Like, and it sort of jumps from here to here to here. Uh, so and the so idea, basically what you're saying is he predicted the overthinking at podcast. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And all of modern society and all of social media and all that other stuff. But anyway. So, two, so, kinds, two kinds of, of <laughs> entertainment experiences. So no, three types of entertainment experiences. Oh, three times. And I, would, and I would connect them to... The notion that becomes very apparent once you have a, a child, if you haven't figured it out yet, which is that attention is a personal resource that you are only have a finite amount of, right? The sort of effort to do a thing or to pay attention to a thing, right, is something that is not infinite in human beings. And so there are certain things that because they take less of your attention, right, are, are incentivized to happen more frequently, and that there are various sorts of mechanisms that uh, human beings use to intercede with this incentive in order to function. Um, so I would suggest that that at the top of the pyramid, in the smallest number, but but with the sort of greatest height, are the works of art that you have made the decision are so important that you have to go out of your way to witness them. Right. Uh, and this would be I need to travel to this museum and this once in a lifetime thing to go see a painting or or, you know, or something like there's a really special play. I don't sure. usually I'm going to fly. To, I'm going to fly to New York to see Hamilton. Right, right, right. Exactly. And I think people and this or, you know, I want to go to a big I haven't actually been to the Daytona 500. Right. Um, there's all sorts of different things. I mean, do they even call it that anymore? I don't even know. Right. But it's like it could be something that you put a lot of energy and effort into. Uh, and it's not something that you would normally you would normally take in. Right. Um, and then the second and third categories are the much wider parts of the pyramid. But I would first say uh, Jungle Cruise is not the first. Right. Yeah. Jungle Cruise, unlike something like like for F9, I would have driven like multiple hours to watch F9. If, I had to. <laughs> if you like, had, had. Yeah. If you had had to. If I had had to, I did not have to, right? I was able to watch it, you know, in a movie theater, you know, with someone taking care of my child who I trusted, and it was great. But, but like for that sort of thing, not just due to it being Fast and Furious and me being a big fan, but because of the timing and the sort of journey we've all been on, that felt like a pilgrimage, right? Hmm. Um, Jungle Cruise doesn't feel like a pilgrimage, right? It's it's not that kind of movie. Uh, yet normally, you know, maybe under other circumstances, we would have felt desperate to see The Rock, uh, but this is that's sort of pre-skyscraper thinking, right? Or or you could call it my year of rampage. I think the movie that really did it was San Andreas, uh -huh. right? Where it's like The Rock is the biggest star in the world. And because of that, he is making lots and lots of stuff. And so you are never going to not see him, right? Like as in, if you want to see The Rock, you have ample, ample opportunities to see him. You can watch him in Ballers, right? You can watch any number of his stuff. You can check out his Instagram. He's all over the place. So the idea of just watching Jungle Cruise to go out of your way to watch Jungle Cruise because The Rock is in it. This isn't that kind of movie. This isn't what that you're doing that for. But the two other categories I would suggest are both about a minimal degree of additional effort, right? And, and in one case, it's because you've equipped yourself with a habit or routine 
that that minimizes the practical effect of the cost of going to see the movie. Right. In the sense of like, for for example, many overthinking it movies. Yep. Back before COVID, I used to go to this particular couple of movie theaters near where I lived and I would see a four dollar Sunday matinee. Sure. Right. Uh, or like something on a Saturday and it would be a really fun thing. We'd get lunch. You know, my wife would go with me or not, uh, depending, you know, sure. on whether it was, you know, uh, whether it was skyscraper or not. Uh, and that and that was interesting. And and I too, I would do a similar thing. I had, yeah. you know, uh, because Los Angeles, unlike Boston, is a city. I would go to the uh, I would go to the theater for the the twenty four dollar matinee. Yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. You know, um, of the the movie. Yeah, accompanied or not, based on based on um, based on what it is. Sorry, didn't mean to yeah. throw throw no, shade no, no, at no. Boston there. No, 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 it's fine. It's totally fine. Or I'm other sure non cities. You have to pay for it in Bitcoin now, right? Um, <laughs> All matinees were Bitcoin. I, I would bring up the experience of seeing the Lego Batman movie as one that was very informative for me in terms of learning how this works. So the Lego Batman movie was out on a weekend that had a snowstorm where I live. And I really wanted to see it because we were going to podcast about it and also because I was like mildly interested in watching it. Right. But I didn't want to watch it so badly that I thought to tell my wife, I think I don't think we were married yet when the Lego Batman movie came out. I think that was like, yeah, because that was 2017. So it was my my fiance or my girlfriend, right, which seems silly to say. But I did not tell her that I wanted to see this movie. And and as the time of the sort of last feasible showing before the podcast kind of crept up, I got increasingly sad and anxious. Right. Because I knew that I had this kind of routine of an habit of like going to see movies like this so that I could podcast about it. Yep. And through some sort of mistaken notion that it was doing her some sort of favor to not burden her with it. I had not told her that I wanted to see this movie and it actually ended up with, um, me making the decision. We, me making the decision to talk to her about it, you know, strangely near tears. It was a very strange weekend. And, uh, and we got to, the movie started at 1.30, I remember this, and it was like 1.15 when I finally was like, I I know we're stuck inside and we have to shovel and all this stuff, but I really want to see this movie. And she's like, well, we could go see the movie. And and because it was a thing that we were practiced in doing, we got ready. We went to go – I mean we took – it took less than 10 minutes to get to the movie. Theater, sure. Right? And and we saw it and it was great, right? Loved it. Uh you know, and it was a total perfect thing. And it was like, why did I bring this up? Right. Why did I think this was going to be a problem? Why did I think that this was a top of the pyramid movie when really it was more of a middle of the pyramid movie? Like uh -huh. it wasn't coming to me. Right. I was going to it. But going to it was going to be easy because I kind of pre-invested in the idea that I was going to go to it through the course of repetition and kind of learning and positive reinforcement of doing that. You know, get your popcorn, get some ice cream if they have it. If it's mm -hmm. one of those good theaters, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the bottom, the big fat part of the pyramid is all the stuff that uh, you it sort of happens in sort of laps of routine. Right. So I would describe it almost as like negative routine. It's the habits you fall into rather than the habits you cultivate. Mm -hmm. the, the, the situation where you're incentivized to take a path of least resistance and you do it so, so often that you gravitate towards it. Now, I don't think this is necessarily bad. Some of my favorite stuff happens in this kind of space. Right. All sorts of entertainments show up unbidden. You, right? crush, the, like, you crush the hell out of those candies. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I mean, I mean, the big one for me, I think, would have that that comes to mind is uh, 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 Deep Space Nine uh-huh. when I originally watched it, which was like it was on at two in the morning, you know, and I was up, right, because I never slept, you know, back in the day, and so okay. Uh, I mean, now as opposed to now when I'm incredibly well rested. Uh, but the idea that like, well, what do you watch late at night? There's so many conversations I've had in the intervening years about Gene Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict. Ah. Right. I did not go to seek it out, nor did I come across it during a sort of routine. It wasn't like Star Trek The Next Generation where it was like, OK, I'm eating dinner on Sunday and I have to finish dinner by a certain point so that I can go downstairs and I can watch Star Trek The Next Generation because this is like a show that I look forward to all week. And that's my routine. Right. Mm-hmm. This was more like I'm up. What am I doing? I, I'm like I've become an animal entirely of appetites. And it, here come the talons to teach me what a savage I am as a human. So right? that's I mean, it's um, interesting, Pete, that you, that you say that you've become an animal uh, entirely of appetites because as because probably because you described these as a pyramid, of course, it put me in mind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh, of course. Of and course. that Which like, starts with Earth, Gene Roddenberry's Earth Final Conflict. Right. It goes all the way up to like flying to New York to see Hamilton. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's 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 right. <laughs> Food, warmth, water, rest, shelter, security, yep. safety, Earth Final Conflict. Yes, you yes, know? yes. Belongingness, like uh, identification and membership, uh, social relationships, family relationships, um, you know, uh, getting in the getting in the Subaru and going to see the average overthinking it uh, Sunday movie. And then, yeah, uh, exactly. Like what, uh, you know, going, going, going to going to the Cremaster films. <laughs> At the Guggenheim, right? At the Guggenheim, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Bjork's um, bow. At the yeah, at the top. But that like it depends where you are, like kind of at what at what level you're um sort of like the Kubler Ross uh uh not stages. Not, what's the word that that uh, doesn't imply linearity? Sort of phases of of grief that you can kind of they're they're misunderstood, right? Like you can be at different places, sort of on the pyramid, uh, in different times, or at least you can you can relate to the world as though you are on at different places on the pyramid at different times. Like the you know if you're really hungry, you know it won't it won't uh, it won't matter that you're at the Guggenheim watching Matthew Barney's cremaster cycle you you really just are are you know i don't know jonesing for some red vines and i don't think they serve those at the guggenheim the guggenheim is a less good movie the- is less good as a movie theater than uh, uh than a lot but of- i mean there's something to that right which is that the guggenheim doesn't have to be a great movie theater because you go to there to see top of the pyramid movies right you're the one putting in the work yeah. a good movie theater really wants to target mm-hmm. that middle bracket where they want it to be a habit for you to go to that movie theater. Yeah. Right. Like they want you to come back and have a good time. Right. Um, and stuff like that. They want it to be a place where you, where you linger and return, uh, in order to make it less of a, less of a cost to fork over money to go see a movie. Cause you're also not forking over like being in an uncomfortable, strange place with a whole bunch of blimps that are sex metaphors. I wasn't actually at the Cremester cycle viewing, so I haven't seen any of it, but this oh, is a legendary it. experience among our group of friends, right? Yeah. It's, uh, going to go see, there was a coffee table about the Cremester cycle, uh, in, in my, uh, in my living room for a number of years. <laughs> yeah. No, 
<laughs> number of years. Really, yeah, yeah. Really, we we uh, built a lot of the the whole uh, mythic structure around the TFT podcast uh, mm. the, in the Gossip Girl days. Around it, we t- we talked about even Cremaster Fields, um, which were mm-hmm. uh, which which is a, a kind of vortices. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Two poles. Was I right at all in terms of characterizing vortices? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the essay, the uh, the Ezra Pound essay, which I believe is called Vortex or the Vortex, and contains a lot of capital letters, whole paragraphs written in capital letters. Yeah, Uh, I'm gonna put that in the show notes so that people can, uh, uh, so that people can experience it, uh, experience it for themselves. So I, I forget whether I talked about this on the actual show or just as. As, as we were preparing, but like I, you know, my movie theater, two things happened. One is that, that I moved. And so I can't go to this movie theater where I had all of this infrastructure, uh, around, you know, um, and all these habits, all these routines, all these kind of expect these sort of sati- these regularly satisfied expectations, uh, around the experience of, of going to this, to this movie theater, what I would do there, what it would be, uh, what it would be like, how, you know, even to like, you know, I had my favorite seat like seat singular in the, uh, you know, in the, the, uh, reserved seating system that, that, um, I would go to, you know, um, I did the same banter with the bartender, uh, when I was going in evening movies and, and, uh, availed myself of, of their, uh, facilities for adult beverages. Um, you know, and, uh, but, uh, and the, the bartender's name was also Matt. Um, and because I was one of many faceless anonymous customers to him, I got to make over and over and over and over and over the joke. Hey, I'm Matt too. Hey, extra heavy pour for the mats. Okay. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that, that was good. It felt, it felt good to do those things. So two things happened. One is I moved into <laughs> that chain went out of business. Yeah. <laughs> during the championship season and right, that right, right. uh you know so so when we went back to movies i i was in like new theaters um and i i, I would and so i you know i went to an amc theater like an animal uh and <laughs> <laughs> what it stands for animal movie cinemas <laughs> that's that's right it was very problematic uh yeah. the, the uh the usher fired a cap gun for no reason <laughs> For no reason at all. And that's, uh, anyway, and like even going there, I could, you know, not close enough to walk, not really far enough to, to justify driving. So, uh, I bicycled, um, Mm -hmm. there because I'm a big believer in the new urbanism. Uh, here, I'm the only one here in Los Angeles, but I, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what, what, what we, uh, what we lack in numbers, we make up in, in commitment. And, um, I left my bike lock at home. So I showed up to the movie with the ability to lock my to bike home and then bike back <laughs> it was a disaster like every what, what you know, movie is this for again th- this was for did you watch jungle cruise no no no, no. <laughs> this this was uh two movies ago whatever not black widow but whatever the oh f9 this was f9, f9. this is f9 okay okay so, yeah, this yeah. Is, so you were biking really fast it's yeah furious. exactly I, okay. I was you could call and i i was furious though mostly furious at myself you know for yeah. for forgetting because you know what like it wasn't on my mental checklist you know yes. like and the yes. things that were the the things that that i associated with going to movies um were on my mental checklist like i always bring a, a sweatshirt like just a light a light sweatshirt because the the air conditioning is always um 
yeah, you know, even in, in the middle of the summer where you'd like some air conditioning, uh, it, it always gets really cold after a while. And so, you know, I, I'm becoming a middle aged person and you're not becoming it, Matt. Okay. I am a middle aged person. And, uh, so I always am in need of some kind of temperature adjustment. And, uh, so yeah. And that's, that's on the list, you know, like bottle of water so that I don't have to, so that I don't have to get a $14 Dasani. Like that's on the mental checklist. Those things I brought bike lock was not part of the routine, you know? And so I mm. didn't, I didn't have, uh, I didn't bring a, a bike lock and that's, you know, like this is this middle tier that you're talking about is really interesting to me. And, and in general, the kind of things like, what is it? Is it just familiarity and habit? you know, that, that makes something uh, a sort of available on that middle tier, um, that middle tier and don't in some sense downgrade it, you know, to the upper tier, to the, to the more effortful and because more effortful in some ways, less enjoyable, um, type of, you know, type of things. Like I, you know, I like go, going to, going to a Broadway theater, going to the Richard Rogers theater to see Hamilton. Um, it wasn't like an, an, an easeful experience, you know, even though it was a, a a very gratifying one, sort of artistically or humanistically or whatever, you know, it it wasn't uh, it like I I had to you have to think about uh, about every step. Like as we were preparing, I I compared this to you to like if you're doing your normal circuit of errands, like uh, I did mine today, where you know went grocery shopping and stuff. If you're doing your normal circuit, you can more or less sleepwalk through it. So uh, like much mm-hmm. in the same way that you can kind of do your normal commute and kind of like be surprised when you get home because like even though you weren't like you weren't like asleep, you weren't doing anything dangerous, you know. You weren't you weren't present for it in quite the same way you would be in, in driving somewhere unfamiliar. But like, if you add one errand, you know, if you have to go to like a different pet store to pick up a particular medicine or something mm-hmm. that's different from your normal one, everything goes out the window. <laughs> like the whole, it's no longer uh, a, a sort of uh, sleepwalking through. It's no longer an easeful experience, and it's, it's an effortful. Um, it's an effortful experience. You don't know where to park. You don't know how to, you know, the, the, like the right roads and like where, where exactly do you turn left again? And the whole, you know, the whole thing be, has to move. And I guess this, I guess you can relate this to Daniel Kahneman, right? And the, like the type one and type two thinking. Did, did you, like everyone else, Pete, ever read an executive summary of thinking fast and slow? I've talked about it. I read the entire book. Oh, you wow. You read the entire book. Oh, like, maybe I was talking. No, maybe it was not on the podcast. Maybe I actually didn't talk about this on the podcast. Not only have I read the entire book, but I, I read The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis, which inspired me to read the entire book. Well, audiobook. I, uh-huh. I listened to it. And then I actually recently bought Noise. Yeah, the new one. The new one, and which I've not really gotten into yet. Um, because honestly it was a lot easier on audio than to read it. I think there's something about the way that those sentences lie on the page that makes them effortful, which is ironic given the subject matter. I actually, I, I find that to be true also that the, um, I, I mean, like a, you know, let's not even get into all the, the multivalent, uh, you know, possibilities around the phrase, how the sentences lie on the page. But, um, (laughs) 
the the yeah there's something about the kind of like science journalism um i you know i hear it sometimes called the the turns out genre of of you know popular social science book that um you know that lends itself to audiobooks now daniel kahneman doesn't doesn't deserve to be tarred with the same brushes as the the malcolm gladwells of the world far you know far from it he you know um like uh invented and uh i think won the nobel prize for um a lot of uh a lot of the discoveries he made but like what we're talking about is the the difference between the the i guess what he calls system one and system two thinking the very fast sort of pattern recognition type of thinking um you know and then the the kind of which is is fast is highly biased um is you know uh very good for like dealing quickly with familiar situations and then the more deliberative type of thinking and like the, that, that sort of right. Like um, encapsulates the the whole thing with the, the effortful um, the effortful type of, of activity that we're talking about. Yeah. By the way, if your house is always dirty, this is why it's dirty. <laughs> like, and I would say there's two phenomena and I say this as someone whose house has uh, home has often been filthy through most of my adult life. I would say that there are two phenomena that are largely responsible for it. Uh, one is the phenomena of mental delegation, where if you have a group of people, right, and uh, and certain people uh, are more regularly do certain tasks, it's de- I think it's been measured that the other people in the group will get worse at them or will not have memory associated with them as sort of a social energy conservation, mm-hmm. right? This idea of like, well, they, if they're doing that, that pe- people very naturally fall into roles where they don't pay attention to what other people are doing. Sure. If they, you know, and so like, if you're in a situation where someone else is doing the chores, then you might not even be understanding or learning at all about how they are done because you might just be like, oh, they're doing it, right? And that that might be functioning on a subconscious level as well as conscious level. So you don't do yourself any favors by having a roommate who does all the work because they will leave or you will leave they will probably leave because you're making them do all the work and then you will be up a creek right um maybe you'll be up a creek entirely from the get-go and then the other one is just that the only way that keeping a clean house is at all viable is if, if it's a routine because otherwise the mechanism of having to think uh, actively of all of the different things that in your home that might be dirty and then making sort of decisions on a pro and con basis as to what degree of effort to put into cleaning them is is just a black hole of hell right sure. where it's like like i so okay so you, Pete, let, me, let me ask yeah. let me ask you a question do you yeah. have a person no um <laughs> do you uh do you feel like working out today <laughs> do you, are you in the mood for a workout you, have you have you ever watched the college humor game show um actually matt <laughs> I, no i have not this is uh, this actually i thought this was kind of funny uh, and i will answer your question um but i, I want to say so i like the show that that show a lot i actually jumped on their kickstarter to buy their board game their their home game that's coming out um but they used to have an advertisement they were being sponsored by a bidet company uh. and they and they said and so the whole concept of the show is that the host reads a statement about nerd culture geek culture or something some sort of fandom culture that has a mistake in it and the three contestants have to ring in and and the first person to say what the mistake is 
but they have to they have to proceed it with um actually gets the point right and also the show encourages you to correct it and its mistakes that it makes right and so they were sponsored for a while by a bidet company and uh they the bidet ad read involved it saying that the bidet had antimicrobial knobs that made it easier to clean and i said well um actually uh no you in no situation where you're cleaning the knobs of a bidet are you evaluating how much bacteria is on the bidet knob and adjusting your cleaning time and effort right to uh to to accommodate the amount of bacteria bacteria is microscopic you don't know how much fecal bacteria is on your bidet knob. And as such, every bidet knob should take the same amount of time to clean, barring extraordinary circumstances, right? Um, and sure. so that's so that's what I'm saying in terms of like, you you, you cannot go into your bathroom and did say, they, what do I they, need to do to make this clean? Did they once. send you some sort of t-shirt or something? No, 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 oh, no. God. It was in a YouTube comment. Nobody ever read it. Um, but, but anyway, to say, Matt, I actually haven't felt like working out recently. Ah. And one of the reasons I haven't felt like working out recently, even though I love working out other than just, I fell out of the habit when I had a kid is, uh, that my, I have a home gym, I have a garage gym and it was filthy, right? Um, it was, it was full of leaves and dust that had blown in from the outside. Cause I had worked out a bunch last year with the garage door open. Right. And so leaves had come in, detritus had come in, people have been walking around. And, and now there, of course, were a lot of spiders in there, spinning spider webs. And so you go in there and you try to do push-ups or burpees and you're coughing and there's dust. And it was awful. So instead, this weekend, rather than work out, I, you know, thoroughly scrubbed down my home gym. Right. I like took everything out. I I uh I mopped. I double mopped, I triple mopped, I was on my hands and knees scrubbing with paper towels. I then like gorilla taped all the pads together because I have like these uh, stall mats that are these thick rubber mats over this uh, plywood subflooring and I reorganized everything and now I can go in there and and I, and I and I hope that it will feel more normal to go in there and work out. That like I'm used to working out in a gym that doesn't, you know, that isn't a grimy dirty mess. Yep. Um and nature, so hopefully that will nature, help. Nature is um, healing. Yeah. And so, but again, I have to rebuild the habit, right? Because, because generally speaking, no, you don't feel like working out. It's painful, right? You work out because it's a routine and you get into it on a regular basis. And so that's why the thing that you enjoy doing is the best exercise. And it's really stupid to argue about optimizing your exercise plan, uh, because changing your exercise plan, even in and of itself can be like a non-trivial obstacle to your own success <laughs> as, as you like, uh, disrupt your own routine. Right. If you have a routine that works, cherish it. Right. Rely on it and uh, and and let it be easy um, for 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 good God. Let something be easy. Right. Um, I don't know, Matt, do you feel like working out? No, I, n- I never do. And that's, <laughs> you know, like and that's a, that's the thing the 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 times when I've been successful in keeping a schedule, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of like physical activity have been times when all optionality has been removed from the equation, okay. you know, okay. and so th- this generally involves like a social commitment. So for for a long time, the um, <laughs> the the, uh, the best gym attendance record. Uh, I had is, uh, in my twenties with JQ, our, our college friend JQ. And he, and we would, um, we would just go on a particular night and that, you know, and that was it. Like it was, it was just this sort of social obligation and like whether I felt like it or not, you know, it happened. Um, second best thing is a, uh, you know, uh, my, uh, my Los Angeles buddy Scott and I had a really good, actually years long, um, 
broken uh broken only by my moving uh to a different part of town um because we lived we lived close together which is one of the reasons this worked we had a like years long streak of running every saturday mm-hmm. um and you know got probably like the best the best kind of like running fitness i've ever had in that you know in that time to the point where we were like doing races together not not even training for them but just doing like you know a couple 5k's a summer just for fun um and and it was because all option all, all optionality was removed from the the uh, equation by by like previous commitments and like changing it saying no you know, would have been more painful. Well, painful would have been more effortful than, uh, following through on the, you know, on the, the commitment, right? So that, so that the, the cost structure, right? The payoffs were, were organized such that, um, the right thing was the, was the cheap thing, um, cognitively mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, by the way, why CrossFit is not nonsense, right? It's like the idea of having a group of people you do it with is, is a non trivial advantage. Yeah. Right. Um, for sure. For sure. And even the idea of like one of the one of the conventions in CrossFit is you go there and you write your name on a board or someone writes your name on a board and your performance from the day gets written on a board. And I've heard so many long, extended, complaining conversations about the board and the pressure and how intimidating it is and how annoying it is. It doesn't it works. Putting your name on the board works because of the way that we function with regards to like um routine and social reinforcement and it doesn't matter what it says it just just write it down right that's the other another thing is like for so many different things it doesn't even matter what intervention you're doing relative to having some sort of intervention right Mm. paying some sort of attention this is why i mean this is why like you know one of the things that you you read if you dig into this stuff enough is that an arbitrary restriction on food Right. Yes. Like will cause you to lose weight. So like, yeah. so, so, and, and like arbitrary, I don't, arbitrary. I don't eat foods whose, whose third letter is C, you yeah. know, <laughs> like will yeah. like observing that, uh, uh, you know, scrupulously will actually cause you to, to lose weight just because it takes it, it, it brings conscious thought to it. Yeah, because you start paying attention to things you weren't paying attention to previously. It's not because of the toxins. Right. It's just because you you previously didn't care and now you care. So the reason this has to do with Jungle Cruise. (laughs) Well, I I will. I want to catch that in a little bit. I do think that Jungle Cruise is in an awkward spot on the pyramid because because if I were to watch it, it would be as a Disney Plus premium movie, not in the theater. Right. right? And, And I think that the fact that it is offered as a Disney Plus premium movie is actually a strike against it for yes. me because I would be more wow. likely to you're watch ma- it if it were the best option if I were going to a movie theater. Fi- fi- uh, you're like uh, Amicus Curiae here for uh, Scarlett Johansson <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lawsuit against Disney. Right? I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, you know, I, I will be, I know we're just Amicus, but we're Amicus Curiae, right? Like, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's basically like, <laughs> she, uh, what, she's, she's got you in the Amicus zone. <laughs> i watched black widow as a so okay so i think i have two routines regarding premium movies Uh right one of the routines is it's it's a movie that i'm really excited to watch that's part of some sort of ongoing series of movies and i've decided that i'm willing to pay for it Uh right and and no and in fact actually let me rephrase that no that's wrong the one pattern is it's friday night my kid is asleep and I'm going to watch a movie with my wife and we want it to be special. Right. Mm. And so that's that 
that can be a routine, a reason that we rent or buy a movie, right? Uh-huh. And uh, and and so that's why we saw Black Widow, right? Ah. We saw Black Widow as a premium movie. It was a special Friday night thing. We ordered food, right? And and it felt like a date night, even though we were in the house because we have a, a toddler and no babysitters, right? Um, and I would see it for that. And I will also watch it for BS nonsense. Like I paid for money plane yes. I, I, and I paid for Bill and Ted face the music, which wasn't as terrible as money plane. But then again, you know, most movies made by union workers aren't as bad as money. Plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure money plane was all union and everybody got paid. I mean, there's a plane full of money. How, how could they not? Uh, but uh, <laughs> it is the central plot. They had to make the movie with a real plane full of money or it would have strained all credulity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the point being that, like, I will pay money to watch Money Plane, right? <laughs> because it's bull, right? And because it's because it's like something it's something that not everybody will see. It's going to be funny. It's going to be a special experience. You know, I could try to talk people into the podcast talking about it. Did we do a podcast? I don't think we did a podcast. No, sir, money, we did not. Right? I Would wanted you, us to. We went I on, really did. You, you really <laughs> you, you published about 4000 words on Slack about, That's right. uh, about Money Plane. You know, I have two words for you concerning the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh-huh. Money plane. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Is that Don't two words? Is that, is that, how many words? So Money Plane was this really low budget, trashy movie that starred Edge, the professional wrestler, uh, and and a famous turn by Kelsey Grammer as an incredibly scenery-chewing villain, as well as it was directed and starring uh, no fewer than three of the Lawrence brothers. Um, and it was glorious. It mostly was filmed on jo- it jo- like a Joseph, with, Joseph and up? others. Joseph, yeah, Joseph Lawrence. Yes. 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 Okay, Joseph, got it. Matthew and, uh, the director was the third one. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, you know, it was great. But anyway, the point being that like, I will, it's, 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 is it a me movie or is it an us movie? Right. Is this something I'm going to watch with my wife? In which case it should be something that feels special for us. Or is it something that I'm going to watch on my, by myself? Right. Although I think my wife actually watched money played with me baffled by the experience. Um, in which case it's like, I'm treating myself to something that's going to be extraordinarily strange or campy or entertaining. Right. Uh-huh. In a meta meta way. Right. And that I enjoy. Uh, Jungle Cruise is neither of those. Nah. Things, right? Yeah. And I mean, part of it is like, well, Jungle Cruise is supposed to be a kid's movie, right? When my kid isn't old enough that I would be even all concerned about it. And even if he was, I don't feel like Jungle Cruise would be a high priority, right? Because like there's a certain cultural cachet to the Disney and Pixar animated movies that Jungle Cruise isn't participating in. And so the idea that like, well, we would go see Frozen 2, right? So I would pay for that. Right. But Jungle Cruise, why would why would I pay to watch? Jungle? I mean, the kid isn't going to know the difference between Jungle Cruise and some other thing with the Jungle Cruise in it. Do you realize right. how many jungle animals my kid encounters on a daily basis? Like like in fiction, it's like astronomical. Everything has an elephant. OK, not in it's, like not in like the backyard. Right. No, uh... no, 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 no. no. I mean, in, in the realm of the mind, uh, how many times do we go? <laughs> Because we've mentioned an elephant in some book or something. I mean, you would be you would be forgiven for not thinking they were endangered. They show up so often in children's books uh, right. and children's songs and stuff. Uh, by the way, I did recently watch the Sesame Street sketch, The Princess and the Elephant, starring Natalie Portman uh, and Elmo, which I do recommend. Uh, it is it has a it has a trenchant point to make about feminist storytelling um, and about uh, gender camp regarding elephants uh so i I would recommend that youtube video about from sesame street because i've been watching a lot of those but anyway that's the idea is that like 
Jungle Cruise is not a movie you would go seek out and see. Jungle Cruise is not a movie that falls into any of my routines for watching a movie at home. Sure. Um, other than maybe the routine of like something I have to watch for the podcast that I put my headphones on and I listen to it while I mow the lawn, which I did a couple of times this summer. Where I was just like, I have no interest in watching this stupid thing. Uh, I think it was when we binge watched some whole series and I'm just like out there mowing the lawn, listening to it on my headphones. Uh, because it's like, I need the information, but I can't be bothered to sit and watch this whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's like, it does. It, it, it's funny because it has a lower marginal cost than going to the movies, right? Like, let's just assume that I'm going to spend $30 at the movie theater uh-huh. because I'm not going by myself. Right. Um, so, and I'm not going free of, of amenity. Right. So let's assume that the money spent is like comparable between a premium movie at home and a movie at the movie theater. The, the, in one sense, the incentive to see the movie at home is greater because there's a cost associated with going to the movie theater. But if you remove the idea of going to the movies as a routine, which has a sort of negative effect on the marginal cost, right, as you experience it in terms of incentives and utility, right, then you're not competing against going to the movie theater anymore. You're competing against the other things I can watch at home, which brings it into the lower end of the bottom of the pyramid. And the, and really that is just, a, that's just a downward spiral that ends with like, you can always keep start watching the magicians again, Pete. You can always, the magicians is there for you. Heck, you could probably go watch Gene Roddenberry's earth final conflict right now. You can definitely watch Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda because that one time you impulse bought the first season on Amazon after yeah. maybe having a little bit too much sushi. Uh, cause you thought your wife might like it. She didn't. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you that got like, a really good, you got a really good poem out of it though, for the first <laughs> anniversary of, uh, of, um, overthinking its existence back in, 2009 i think that's Gen- true well, yeah, Gen- gene ronberry's and drama that's right that's right yeah it was a good poem i enjoyed that that was good but anyway do you see what i mean how like it sort of feels like the marginal utility of a premium movie or the marginal cost of a premium movie is higher than the marginal cost of a theater movie if going to the movie theater for you is a ritual. Well, yeah, I, I also think, I mean, there are like anchoring effects around what, mm. so, you know, uh, if a movie rental is three ninety nine on whatever yeah. your service is on, you know, Google play or Amazon or the Apple one or like whatever you use. And then suddenly this movie is 20 bucks, right? The, the relevant, you know, the relevant comparison set, um, is, the other movies that you can rent on streaming things that it's not necessarily the, the like cost benefit analysis of going to the, to the movie theater. And like, so it actually seems like even though, you know, a movie, a, a movie ticket, like one movie ticket for me <laughs> costs more, you know, in any, like in, in, mm-hmm. in uh, New York, LA, Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, Seattle, whatever. Um, one movie ticket costs more than the, the, probably the, the premium streaming thing that they're charging to see, to see Jungle, Jungle Cruise on, on Disney Plus. It, um, you know, it seems like it, it costs less. And this is, I mean, actually, this is interesting. This is interesting in a lot of in a lot of ways. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it in a slightly different direction, Pete. You ready? Can I yeah. take it? Can I take it and turn it like a boat going like a around, like, yes, going exactly. around the, the backside of water? That's are, uh, you, are you saying like a seafarer? <laughs> like a <laughs> like a jungle cruise skipper. I'm about to fire my cap gun of knowledge. 
for um, your own self song truth record, Matt. Here's here's uh damn it. Hang it all, Robert Browning. Um <laughs> the uh uh here's the thing. Um in uh pandemic time, uh did a lot of drinking at home. Uh thankfully not alone. <laughs> very, oh, yeah? very very glad to have had a, a partner here with me to to uh toss back a couple of uh, adult yeah, Mr. beverages. Mr. Johnny Walker, he's with you every step of the way. <laughs> Keep walking. Keep walking. <laughs> right past the uh the the right past the door to that church basement. Keep walking. The um the uh no, the, and, and I, you know, realized I got like price sensitive to like, if we got a bottle of wine to have with like a nice dinner, if we were going to like create a, an in-home date night without going out mm-hmm. to a restaurant, right? And it was price sensitive around, you know, a, a, um, I don't know, a bottle of wine that would cost 30 bucks or something like that to go with a steak that we were going to make as a special occasion thing. And, I had to like slap myself at some point and say, how many times, you know, in your twenties, did you like, you know, say, grab the tab for a, for a night of vodka Red Bulls and, and not, you know, and not, not like Chopin Red Bulls, not like yeah. kettle Red Bull, a night of, of, you know, pop off Red Bulls. Right. <laughs> uh, and that, that tab. You know, was like a hundred and twenty-seven dollars for you know for you and your friends, oh, and you Lord. had to like you had to uh, yeah. divide and you this do up, that and you're making like thirty thousand dollars a year, right? Exactly, right. right, right, yeah, absolutely. Your nonprofit job, you know, because you're like, gonna yeah, let's spend one hundred and fifty of it on other people's vodka, yeah, oh, right, yeah. Okay. For for let's let's spend twelve dollars on a shot of Popov, yeah, yeah, exactly, and that like. You know, and, and, or like how, you know, how many times now would I go out and have like, you know, one cocktail and a glass of wine with, with my girlfriend and like the, the bill would come back and the, you know, the drinks portion of it would be what two cocktails is, you know, 18 twice plus a glass of wine, which is another 50, right? Like, and that's, those, those are big city prices and we have no price sensitivity, but like you're talking about, you're, you're getting up to like, uh, uh, you're getting up to like one bill for like the whole, for just the, the that portion and here i am standing in the aisle of trader joe's and trying to decide you know whether i want the uh you know whether i want the 1799 syrah or whether i'm going to be okay with the 1199 syrah right and uh, the completely different kind of anchoring but also like there is routine and ritual around like Going out to dinner, you know, having, uh, 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 right, paying $24 for a ring molded tuna tartare with a, like a thinly sliced scallion on top or something equally soul deadening as that. Um, like that, there's, there's, uh, there's infrastructure around it. There's not infrastructure, there's scaffolding around mm. that whole, um, there's scaffolding around that whole experience and it's an, it's an experience sort of, it's an experience kind of quay experience, uh, not just like, uh, experience as like the functioning of the sensorium, you know, and that's, that's, um, that's why it's, I, you know, I don't know. That's, that's why it's different. Same thing for like, you know, 30 bucks at the, 
thirty bucks for uh, thirty bucks for Raya and the Last Dragon or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seems seems like highway robbery to me. And yet, you know, I'll I'll uh, gladly spend. I'll gladly drop uh, fifteen bucks at the 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 ArcLight Culver City. Uh, rest in peace. Morning till I join you. Um, on uh what one one um <laughs> one box of corn syrup right and <laughs> one and one uh one tub of grain and canola oil and that's like uh that's it that's you know that makes no it makes no rational sense to to that like homo economicus would would stay home and stream raya and the last dragon on uh on disney plus well, but you wouldn't is the thing, right? <laughs> like, because you wouldn't watch the movie in the first place. If if your main priority is not spending money to watch a movie, there's a lot of movies about Last Dragons that you can watch. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Pete, <laughs> Pete had so, one, I think, right? Or yeah. Pete's, Pete yeah. had a, a dragon. I don't know if it was the so last one. So did Barry one. Gordy. He had a great one. <laughs> That's great. Um, it, is, it had the, uh, the 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 glow, right? Is what it was, or the flow, the glow. I think. Yeah. Is there anything too? I mean, I don't know. We've we've ex- we've gone in this like decade plus direction of lifestyle design by having a podcast, which involves like social commitments, both among our group of friends, um, and also to uh, you know to an audience, like about doing this stuff. And I suppose that is the, that is what keeps us going to the gym. That's what keeps us walking, walking into the dark, overly air conditioned box, putting our name <laughs> up on the wall and putting, you know, p- putting like one red vines, one yeah. <laughs> large popcorn upgrade for this price of a small popcorn, because I am a member of the loyalty program. Do I think I, about, I think about 60% I, of the people who go to movies are doing it for their podcast. <laughs> Pete, to I which want, I say, like, value us. <laughs> do, do I want? I have a question for you, Pete. Would you like butter flavoring on that? You have a really hostile relationship with popcorn. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess I do. Uh, it's yeah. because it's because the materials uh, cost four pennies. <laughs> Right, 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 right. And, and for some reason, four pennies becomes eleven dollars just in the right. in the alchemy uh, of the. AMC. You don't have that negative relationship with coffee, though. Coffee is a painstaking and artisanal <laughs> process. It's the skill involved, right? Because there isn't skill in making popcorn. Pete, I go, this is like a. I go to co- I go to a, a, a coffee place to see an extravagantly tattooed and pierced, and you know if uh, if. Um, Male or masculine gender identifying, extravagantly mustachioed, uh, art school graduate student spend 18 minutes pouring me <laughs> a cup of, you know, single origin, locally roasted, fairly traded, uh, biodynamically farmed, naturally processed, uh, coffee beans. I, I, I mean, and I'm, I'm not talking about like someone who's doing something awful like figure painting something dreary and representational <laughs> i want like a, I, i'm 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 talking You're in about the vortex man i'm talking about someone with an mfa in digital sculpture 
you know right. in fact right, right. i judge the coffee by the student debt of the barista that's that's really what i'm you know that's the level of decadence i'm i'm operating at and how dare you sir how dare you uh c- c- compare it to the paper trash bag you know full of full of commodity corn and uh <laughs> grain traded on a futures exchange uh, as though coffee were not um and and uh you know sla- slathered in in hydrogenated fat how dare you sir I, I'm just imagining a version of Allen Ginsberg's Howl that just starts with, I saw the best minds of my generation, exclamation point. <laughs> like, it was great. They made coffee. <laughs> I was so impressed. <laughs> Such brilliant people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but no, nothing wrong with making coffee. Nothing wrong. Although I will say this is a, I think this is a good occasion. Right. So here's a situation. Right, Matt, I have a situation. My situation is that my my daily routine as an adult is a shambles. Okay, right? um, it's a shambles because it became my childcare routine, and uh, when you have a newborn, the newborn totally destabilizes everything about your routine. Sure. If you are responsible for its care, because you have to attend to it every three hours, like or constantly, right? Um, this is the same thing, right? It's on a three-hour cycle, twenty-four hours, and that kind of throws you, and then and then you go on to you're having a kid, and it kind of changes everything that you do. And then also I haven't been commuting into work, right? I've been working from home. Sure. And, and so everything is sort of collapsed in terms of my old routine. Pete, would you and say have, that, that the parent of a newborn lives their life 180 minutes at a time? I will say the, the miles are the, the quarter miles are long, but the miles are short. <laughs> I think how it would go. Um, but, uh, but I'm trying to, in some way, and this is the sort of eternal struggle that never you never win. So it's really more of a strive arc than a <laughs> than than a, an ascent arc, right? A character arc um, to reestablish some sanity in my personal routine. And one of those things is going to involve, I think, how to go about having my morning coffee. Mm. Um, so, for example, today, you know, I made a, I, I woke up with the baby at seven. Now he's a toddler now, I guess. You know, wake up with him at seven. I had him from seven until noon, uh, during which I fed him two meals and took him out for an extended walk and also to a playground for a while. And during that time, like there was no real space scheduled for me to have like any sort of uh, solid or liquid nourishment. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's no there's no space for me to have breakfast no space for me to have water, yep. no space for me to have coffee. And so I ended up doing the dreaded American thing, which is that like when the child was strapped down, literally strapped down. And this is why people go to di- to drive throughs by the way, uh-huh. because they allow you to keep a child strapped down the entire time. <laughs> 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 which Rest- sounds terrible, but they restrain, don't mind it. Restrain it, your offspring. <laughs> like at home, I made a pot of coffee at home and I put the pot of coffee in the handle of the stroller when I went for the walk, but I didn't drink the coffee, uh-huh. right? And so then, like, I, I I went to the Starbucks on the way to the playground to get a coffee and get, like, an awful fast food, you know, ham and Swiss croissant. The sure. food at Starbucks is just god-awful, right? It's, um, gotten, it's gotten worse, certainly, since since they introduced food. Yeah, so, so um, and I would even say that, like, any sort of, like, drive-through breakfast sandwich is not going to be as good as something you can make for less money at home, right? If... You don't have a little kid running around all over the place. Yeah, and also, if you value your time, your time at zero yeah. because you're, you're, you know, I don't know, got to clean it up. And yeah, anyway, yeah. so, so and, go anyway, ahead. 
the weekends and the weekdays have kind of blurred together. Yes. Um, I feel like my work days are totally destabilized in terms of their equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And it has been very hard to focus in terms of like the baby is here. He's upstairs. Right. And I can hear him pounding on the floor on the ceiling and uh, and I go up for lunch and he's there and I want to care for him and take care of him and stuff. Um, and I want to institute some sort of coffee ritual in the morning sure. where I can claim a, a kind of shift in tone for the day. Uh-huh. Right. And, and I don't want it to be driving to Starbucks. Keep in no. mind, there is no, there is a town. There's a market at the end of my street. I could go to that is not really a coffee house. You know, it's like a it's like cafe, but it's also a restaurant. It's also it sells wine. Um, I could go there a lot if I wanted to. Eh. Um, but it does. I don't know. I feel like I just go there and I buy cookies and that's not good. Um, and also, like, I want to create some sort of space, like physical space in this ritual uh, in a wise way with the idea that I'm not in a city. I'm kind of in the boonies a little bit. Um at least I, my, yeah. Can I ask yeah. you a couple questions about this yeah, to kind of sure. narrow sure. down on? Because I, I feel like you're you're about to ask for a recommendation or something like that, knowing that I've devoted my entire life to this pursuit. Yes, <laughs> the, yes, yes. That that I have no no higher calling. You, you were you you had the first French press I ever witnessed. I, I want to dig. I want to dig into to what you want a little bit. So okay. so what's important here, process or product? Do you want a like a thing a a, a ritual that you do, which is kind of a set of physical motions? And like kind of things that you do or do you want like a really good tasting cup of coffee at the end because you can have you can have both or you can have one or the other i would say that the quality of the coffee mm -hmm. is mostly uh, important insofar as much as it reinforces the environment of the experience uh -huh. so like yeah, yeah, I think that that probably frames it. How much right? time do you have to do this? Is it 90 seconds? Is it 10 minutes? Well, I mean, honestly, I probably have a fair amount of time. Once the kid goes back to daycare, I might even have like 20 minutes to half an hour. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, got it. Because then, I have to wake up super early so that the baby can get to daycare. And if I'm working from home, I have like a window between when the baby's gone and when I actually have to sit down on my computer. But also without a sort of, uh, without a sort of indelible line to say like, yes, you are watching Jungle Cruise, mm. right? That line gets very fuzzy in terms of like, well, when has work really started? Right. When have you really focus? That sort of thing. Right. I'm looking yeah. at dark in these lines. Yes. Yeah. I got it. Um, and then how much crap do you want to buy? <laughs> because uh, it's possible to, to really go ham on the like on the – you know, home appliance, like mini appliance, uh, type of, type of purchase. It's I have a pretty good coffee maker okay. that is both a drip coffee maker and espresso maker. Uh -huh. And I will say that for a time, espresso was the main coffee that I made and drank and I really liked it, but it has been hard to do. Um, in one hand, at one point, uh, the machine just hasn't really like, it doesn't really keep up. Uh, right. Like, uh, I think we've had to replace the machine once because it like deteriorated, um, sure. the, the sort of pieces and parts for the espresso machine have been hard to keep track of. Yeah. Even a decent um, home espresso machine, like they're, they're, they're pricey and they're fiddly and you gotta like, you gotta keep them, you gotta kind of keep them up. Like my, my, my espresso machine at home having friend has like, d you know, uh, sourced his own replacement parts, you know, because the, mm. the, like the, even the manufacturer is like, yeah, we don't, we don't f fix this. Like go yeah. buy another one. Um, this, and, by the yeah. way, this is not an expensive thing to make once you have the equipment. 
right? Like it's not expensive to make espresso once you have a machine that can do it. And a, gr- and a grinder. Um, well, yeah, yeah. If you, or if you buy the, the coffee ground. Okay. Well, if you have your, you know what? It sounds like you have favorability towards your, your home espresso machine anyway. Is it one where there's like a basket and you like tamp it full of, you tamp it full of grounds yeah. and then like connect yeah. it and then push a button and the water goes through? Yeah. yeah. You know what? If you like that, Stick with that, right? Like the best routine is the routine that you already have or yeah. the, you know, or the best routine is the routine you already know how to get back into. And, and I'll tell you this, the biggest, more, more than anything else, more than any piece of equipment, more than any technique, um, more than any like money you can spend on grinders or, you know, whatever, all those things. Yes, they, they will give improvements, but the biggest bang for the buck improvement you can get is buying better beans. With uh, really, it with makes coffee. no big of a difference. Oh yeah, hundo okay. p. See, for yeah. me, it's like, oh, get a new filter or, nope. or clean the machine with vinegar. Well, or clean the like, clean the machine with vinegar. Yeah, it does. It does help if your if your gear is not filthy, and they, it does get like if you live in in a city that has hard water that we we have, like you get these these like mineral buildups on everything, and like yeah, so like a descaler. Or a, um, a, uh, you know, yeah, the vinegar, the half and half vinegar and just running that through a couple times, just run a couple cycles of plain water so that you don't have the taste of, of acid in your coffee when you go. But like the best, the best thing you can do is a, like a really high quality bean. Second best thing you can do, or you might call this one A because they tend to go, uh, tend to go hand in hand is grind it fresh right when you use it in a clean grinder, you know, um, Right when you use it. But if you can't do that, if you can't make that commitment, I'm going to say that's okay. I'm going to, absol- you know, uh, absolvo te, you know, go and sin <laughs> no more. Uh, the, um, I'm going to say that's okay. And that the investment in, in beans, even if you buy them pre-ground, uh, or, you know, go to the, go to the store, you know, and, and get them. If you like go to a specialty coffee store, they will grind them for you. They'll, they'll, you know, sneer at you a little bit while they do it, but they'll, they'll grind them for you, um, there. And if you use those beans within two weeks, your, you know, freshness isn't that. Yeah, but what's the environment? What, what, what is the environment that this coffee experience should have? I, oh, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know my, I think time of should day. Should be like a jungle cruise. <laughs> I think time of day is important. Like mm-hmm. if you can find a, a way of orienting yourself with respect to windows and stuff so that like there is pleasant light. Um, right. You know, I think that's nice. I think if you have like music that you like, I, my, my college roommate was a classical guitarist and I was like, Oh, so fancy, you know, play with orchestras. He's like, no, 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 Matt, a classical guitarist. Like the highest aspiration is that you make a CD that like someone buys as an impulse buy at a cash register somewhere <laughs> that they put on in the morning while they're making their coffee because it's inoffensive. <laughs> you know? And that's like, it's like, wow, really bring uh, high, high aspirations there. Yeah. Bring it. You know, if you, if you want that, I mean, like, look, you can like light incense in a candle or something. If it, if it, you know, makes you feel good, hashtag self care. But, you know, I don't know. I think that like, I think actually connecting it to some kind of like circadian cycle uh is the you know is the useful environmental thing and like that's probably that probably has to do with light um mm-hmm. with the time of day you do it and the the way you know you're you're uh feeling and and adjusting to light 
Excellent. Well, once I have this down, I will have a lot more energy and clarity for seeing the Rock's Nest disposable movie. Yeah, and you can go so, uh, right, and you <laughs> can go out to the you can go out and you can stream it to the to the flat screen television in your garage gym. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had one of those. No, I don't. Uh, I actually, I kind of do. It'd be nice to do some workouts in there with some TV, but uh, no such luck. All right, so. this has been the Overthinking a Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Pete, for talking about this uh, this uh, topic of of routine and scaffolding and and the the Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the rock movies like the um the top tier rock movie at the top yeah. of the pyramid which is like uh fate of the furious maybe or mm. was he in that the the uh, middle tier rock movie which is um which is uh i guess jungle cruise though we didn't get to it and the bottom tier rock movie which is uh the scorpion king that you know, you'll just watch when you're on, um, you know, when it, when it comes up. It, on it would cable. be Furious Seven or The Rundown. I think would be the top quality rock movies. The middle there, I might put The Tooth Fairy. I might put, uh, and then the bottom is like Walking Tall. I think, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You can make your own choice. Fill out your own rock pyramids and post the pictures to our website or send them to us on social media. Your your rock hierarchy of, of needs. All right. We'll be back with more. Uh, we'll be back with more Overthinking Podcast next week. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the rockular culture <laughs> to a level of scrutiny. It probably doesn't deserve Jabroni. <laughs> I wrote to the zoo to send me a pet. They sent me an elephant. <laughs> shoot it, Matt. Shoot it. Oh my God. Shoot it. It's on. Shoot it, Matt. Shoot it. Pop, yep. pop, pop, pop. See, you could do it after all. God, I'm so traumatized. <laughs> Quick, escape in this hang glider. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>